Welcome to Paranormal Almanac. With your host, Kurt Sandvik. That's right, I'm your host, Kurt Sandvik, and on this week's edition of Paranormal Almanac, let's talk about Long Island. Yeah, that that Long Island. Yeah, the place. You'll find out. Relax. But first, as always, we have shout-outs. Head on over to patreon.com slash paranormalalmanac for even more Paranormal Almanac, if that's what you're looking for. If you're looking for even less Paranormal Almanac, then make sure you head on over to patreon.com slash paranormal almanac. It's even less paranormal almanac than you're getting now, but more, but less. You'll see. Just go up and sign up. All righty, shout outs going out to the Virginia mailman. Now, that sounds to me like a cryptid. If you were to say, like, you know, let's let's make up a new cryptid. Did you guys hear the thing about the Virginia mailman? He's got a hook. He, he kidnaps dogs, but but treats the dogs really nice. But when the people come back to pick up their dogs, he kills them. Like that kind of a thing. So Virginia mailman, new cryptid. I like everything about it. Shoutouts to D. Henry, Tony, Lori, Jason, Vicky Crow, Clay, Tim, Coxie, Buzz, Tom, Lobita Works, Glacier, Maine, Isabel, Jen, Jen, Stacy, Tamara, Amber, Tracy, Matthew, Stacy, Sandy, Kelly, Joe, Menace the Beast, Kick Ass, Magic, Robot, Webcomic, Sandy Page, Kosh, Sean, Andrew, Scott, Andrea, Devin, Melody, Ricardo, Vicky, Christopher, Vanessa, Marisol, Liam, Roger, Michael, Terminal Animal, Alicia, Becca, Jake, and the Beasties, Elizabeth, Voitek, Sherry, Art Muffin, Trudy, Tim, Kenneth, Paul, Ricardo, Ian, Armor Times 10, Alexandra, George, Seth, Zozo the Demon. Hayden, Cindy, Kim, Ashley, what's that? Carrie, Robin, Will, Lorna, Phil, Mangano, Russell, April, Isabel, Audra, Dorian. Hey, Dorian, been a while. Cindy, Bob, Stacy, Paula, Jerry, Leo, Scoston, Lindsay, Hahn, Megan, Matt, Jeff, T, Harley, Suzanne, Joe, Lawrence, Lawrence Strawn. Veronica, Autumn, J. Mark Manning, Carolyn, Martin, Jade, Nanashi, Chuck, Todd, Jamie, and Elijah Hendrickson, Dan, Laura Pitts, and GamerFan. Absolutely special shout-out to GamerFan. For no other reason than I want to do a special shout-out to GamerFan. All right, we have two special more, two more special shout-outs, as always, to Joe Teague and to Stitch. Uh, head on over to tpublic.com slash stores slash paranormal dash almanac for all your paranormal almanac needs. I know I say that really fast. Let me slow that down. That's tpublic.com slash stores with an S slash paranormal dash the you know, the actual symbol don't write dash almanac paranormal little symbol dash almanac. And you'll find all the shirts, including the 200th uh, limited edition shirts. And for all those that are keeping real close eye on the uh, the merch, you'll notice that some of those 200th limited edition shirts are gone. That's right. I'm taking them down slowly but surely because I don't know where we're at. I think we're at like 196 or 197 or something. It's crazy. We're getting so close to the 200th episode of with which 
those of with which, sure, of with which those shirts are in response to or because of. I don't even know what I'm saying at this point. Just go to that thing and buy some stuff and it'll be all, it, it'll be fine. And you, it can go to my mental health. How about that? All the money will go to my mental health. Alrighty, let's do a quick hand of fate update. Fire edition. Alrighty, so for those that uh, have followed the hand of fate, you might remember that in the original letter, yeah, I guess it's a letter, the piece of paper that had the thing on there from the from the person named L, which by the way, L, please come forward, be on the 200th episode, that would make me very happy. But you'll remember that the reason they were got they got rid of it, you know, a bunch of stuff, weird crap was happening, up to and including a fire. Well, cut to two Fridays ago. I'm sitting there watching TV. Um, I'm on the couch watching TV and I look out. It's like 930, 9 o'clock at night. And I look outside, you know, something, you know, caught my eye. And I look outside and I'm like, gee, it's, uh, it's like as bright as daylight out there. What the hell? So I open up the curtains and, yep, sure enough, my neighbor's hedges aflame. And I... I'm not exaggerating when I say these flames were 15 to 20 feet high. Just, there was, it turns out there was an arsonist in, in my neighborhood. Thankfully, he's been caught. Fuck you, buddy. But uh, my neighbor, myself and my neighbors put out the fires before it could get to the house. It was very close. It was very scary. Very, very terrifying. I'm sure I've talked about it on here before, but nice try, hand of fate. So close. You almost got me, but you didn't get me yet. I'm just guessing that it was the hand of fate and, you know, it wasn't exactly accurate. You know, it was like, oh, I think this might be his house. Let's charge this thing up. And nope, you missed me, hand of fate. Ha <laughs> ha. And I'm sure there's a bunch of people out there like, no, don't tempt the hand of fate. Eh, I'm okay. Besides that, let me take a look. Let me turn around make sure it's still there. It's still there. Yeah, that's it for the hand of fate update. Uh, again, L, if you're listening, please, for the love of God, reach out to me via email or call during like a live show. Hold on, my mic's all squonky. Um, or, you know, like reach out to me, basically, any way you want to, because I really like to have you on the show. But you do have to prove that you are the L that sent me the package. And you might say, well, how is that person supposed to do that? Well, I do slightly remember what was written on the... Um, around the postage. So I think we've got a way to, to prove that it's the real L. All righty. With that, uh, is that it? Uh, merch? Yeah. Head over buy 200. Uh, hand of fate. All right. Fire didn't get me motherfucker. All right. Let's go into paranormal news. Paranormal news. Yeah, I did the bump on the right bump. Uh, this is like a really like the fan favorites kind of a paranormal news. For those of you know you that like paranormal news, if you if you hate paranormal news, you're gonna hate this one. But uh, for the fan favorite ones, the first up in paranormal news, more haunted homes for sale. Currently, haunted homes for sale. That's right. The first one is at 608 Vance Street in Reedsville, North Carolina. It's up for sale for $200,000, three bedroom, one bath, 1,400 square foot house. Uh, let's see. You got to prove that you have the funds once you end up time. All righty. 
Villa Fortuna was built in 1887, listed on the National Registry of Historic Places for Architecture. This home is a perfect blend of blah blah blahs and blah blah blahs. But there is a lot of people that have said that the house is haunted. They, uh, they're saying this, this house is as is, but there's a lot of past owners who have said, yeah, they've seen ghosts, they've, seen, they've heard noises, they've seen a lot of stuff in the house, and it's actually spooked some of the past owners to the point where, as you notice, it's still up for sale. Uh, but, you know, there you go. Uh, does it say anything else? Let's see. No, that's it. That's all it says. But there you go. First haunted house on the list, 200000 if you want to live in Reedville, North Carolina, or if, uh, you know, you don't and you just want a haunted house, I'd say, well, there you go. Oh, wait, there is more. I forgot. I clicked on. No, it's just more of the same crap. Noises, sounds, shadows, people in the windows, that kind of stuff. The current owner, as well as former occupants, have observed some unearthly stuff on the site from leather shoes moving across the tile floor to lingering smells of cigar smoke on the patio as well. Alrighty, up next in houses, haunted houses for sale in paranormal news. Oh, this one went to rent only in the week it took me to find this one. It's now rent only. It's a four-story Victorian mansion, comes with spirits of two young girls, both of whom are said to have perished in the bedroom on the third floor. Lore says one died by fever and the other died by violence. The hauntings are a local legend and multiple previous owners and visitors claim to have met the ghosts or felt their presence. The screams of young girls, unexplained temperature drops, exploding items, and more have been observed in the house. The house was also the setting of the 2018 horror film, The Girl in the Third Floor Window. The producer of the movie said they sought out the property because they wanted to film in a real-life haunted house. It was for sale. Let me see if I pull it up on... Let me try pull it up on um, Zillow real quick because this is not Zillow. This is like Realtor.com. It says it's for rent for $2,900 a month, but let me see. No, it is. It's only for rent now at $2,990 a month. $2,990 a month. You can get your own... Haunted house. It's a very pretty house, but a haunted house with two little girl ghosts. Nope. Uh, what is uh, four bedroom, two bath, 1,900 square feet? Yeah. All right, cool. Moving on. Next up in paranormal news, something that really excited me because I never thought this would be solved. I've done an episode about it before in the past, and I've talked about it on a couple of different episodes. Finally, a break in the case. The Summerton Man mystery solved as DNA points to the man's identity, a professor claims. Now, in case you don't remember it, this one comes out of Australia. Let's see, a professor has dedicated decades to solving one of Australia's most enduring mysteries, claims he discovered the identity of the Somerton man. Derek Abbott from the University of Adelaide says the body of a man found on one of the city's beaches in 1948 belongs to Carl Charles Webb who was an electrical engineer and instrument maker born in Melbourne in Melbourne in 1905. South Australian police and forensic science South Australia have not verified the findings of Abbott, who worked with renowned American genealogist Colleen Fitzpatrick, to identify Webb as the Somerton Man. That's really cool. They said that using DNA sequencing, they were able to locate the final piece of the puzzle that has captivated historians, amateur sleuths, conspiracy theorists, Kurt, for more than 70 years. I wasn't for all that 70 years, but I've been into this story for a while. 
Last May, South Australian police responded to Abbott's calls to exhume the Somerton's man's body. And they, uh, they were trying to figure out if they could do it to, to get the DNA. But in the end, he said that it was strands of the man's hair trapped in a plaster death mask made by police in the late 1940s that actually provided him with what he says is the proof of the man's identity. Police gave Abbott strands of the hair a decade ago. The hair was examined for years by a team of DNA experts at the University of Adelaide, Adelaide, sorry, who provided the DNA information that allowed Abbott and Fitzpatrick to further narrow the field. By March, he had already established Webb's name through years of painstaking work to build a complex family tree of around 4,000 names that led to Webb, whose date of death had not been recorded. By filling out this tree, we managed to find a first cousin three times removed on his mother's side. They matched the DNA from that hair to that person. So there you go. One of the craziest stories. Does it go on to say? Oh, here we go. Um, there was a code found scribbled in a book that this guy had on there. Who was he? Uh, December 1st. I'm going to read it. It's going to be very brief. December 1st. 1948, beachgoers found the body of the Somerton man in Adelaide. Adelaide, The man was well-built, about 40 to 50 years old, 5 foot 11, gray-blue eyes, gingery brown hair, graying at the sides. He wasn't carrying any identity, identification. Uh, they held an inquest in his pockets. They found tickets that, that suggested he had taken the train to the railway station the day before, checked in a suitcase in the station's luggage room. The suitcase contained clothes with the labels torn off, Police told the inquest that a, tra that a tailor thought his coat had U.S. origins. Despite those clues, the case didn't supply them with a name either. The man's fingerprints and photograph were sent around the world, including the United, United Kingdom, United States, English countries in Africa, uh, da, 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 but nothing was found, basically. Uh, the most baffling clue came several months after the body was found. A pathologist re-examined his clothing and found a hidden fob pocket containing a rolled-up piece of paper printed with the words... Tamam shud, tamam shud, sure, shud, whatever, meaning the end or finished in Persian. They are the final words of the poem, the robiate. Look, I had this all right in the in the episode, so you can just go back to that episode. Uh, it's really freaking weird, but again, now it's been solved. They know who the guy was, so amazing. Alrighty, up next in paranormal news, this is a new segment of paranormal news called Paranormal Told You So. Hold on, there's a tab open with something that's driving me absolutely bonkers crazy. In Paranormal Told You So, Loch Ness Monster, not a monster, existence plausible, scientists say. Take that, people who don't believe in Nessie. The existence of the Loch Ness Monster, not a monster, is plausible after making a new discovery, scientists say. That's because researchers from the University of Bath and University of Portsmouth in the UK and University Hassan II in Morocco, had found fossils of small plesiosaurs, an extinct long-necked reptile, in what used to be an ancient river system. The fossils were discovered in what is now Morocco's part of the Sahara Desert. However, 100 million years ago, it was a body of fresh water. So, yeah, Nessie, not so necessarily fake. Is, it, is Nessie probably some kind of, like, sturgeon or eel? Probably, but... Nessie could be one of these new small plesiosaurs. Nessie's real, people. Get behind it. The data's there. Science is spoken. All righty, up next in paranormal news, there's a bunch of, like, videos I have not watched yet, obviously, because I like to watch them 
Bizarre Bigfoot encounter reported in New York's Hudson Valley. That's right, a woman was attacked by Bigfoot in Hyde Park, according to News 12, Hudson Valley. I didn't watch it yet, so let's watch it now. That, some claim, is the loud, ear-aching sound of the creature known as Bigfoot. This is one from Hyde Park, New York. Gail Beatty, the Hudson Valley's lead researcher of Bigfoot, says a woman... She estimates it at between six and seven feet tall. ...told her she had a violent encounter with the mysterious creature on July 2nd in Hyde Park. This right. huge creature came running towards her. She heard the, you know, the... Bushes were parting, and she heard these heavy footsteps. And then... The creature jumped up in the tree above her, and, you know, branches and leaves started falling on her, and then the creature started to um, move from tree to tree. She said it was terrifying. Beatty's team and others have submitted photos like this. Large footprints found in parts of the Hudson yeah, Valley. Yeah, footprint. Large hairy figures in the distance. Nope, that's a fake photo. A known fake photo. This mysterious sound. I don't hear anything. That is mysterious. Am I supposed to be hearing After something? After hearing what? all this. No, fuck you. You can't say this mysterious sound. And videos capturing this mysterious sound. After hearing There's no this, sound. do you believe in Bigfoot? No, no because, I mean, yes, but not because of you, lady. There's no, you can't say this mysterious sound and then not put in a mysterious sound. Like, come on, people. Um, but yeah, so there you go. Hudson Valley people in New York, you got yourself a Bigfoot. Maybe, possibly. And if you hear that mysterious sound, let me play it for you again. Yeah, so if you hear that noise, a Bigfoot might be behind you. Whatever you do, don't panic when you hear this noise. Don't panic. It's, it's okay. All righty, this up next in paranormal news, Scott's mom calls in priest to bless house after black ghostly figure was captured on the CCTV. Maxine Hughes was so unsettled by the shadowy figure, she called for the priest to come to, home, come to the house and bless it. All righty, I want to watch the video. I don't want to read the rest of the story. I want to watch the video. I've been wanting to watch this for a while. Oh, there's going to be an ad. I can feel it. Mute that. I guess I'll read to you while it's telling me this bad ad. A Glasgow mom was left scratching her head after bizarre paranormal activity was captured on her home CCTV. Maxine Hughes was left startled when a strange black figure was spotted creeping through her gardens in the Barrowfield area of Glasgow. After multiple sightings of the strange figure, she contacted her sister, Nikki Mulherron, who shared the footage on Facebook. Okay, so let's see this fucking footage. All right, at least it's playing the commercial again, but we'll see if this comes up after this commercial or not. Maybe I'll cut this out. Kurt, you figure it out. Or just, you know, listen to the mysterious Bigfoot noise while we're waiting for this commercial to end. My God, what an eerie noise. All righty, the commercial's ending. I won't even tell you what the commercial's about because they're not paying me. Fuck them. Okay, here we go. Hearing anything, but maybe I'm not supposed to, so maybe I'm just supposed to see it. Oh, wait, 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 go back. So it's a CCTV camera. It's actually a cell phone of a CCTV camera of two cars parked, three, four cars technically parked, but facing two cars parked. Let me, listen, let me watch it again. It looks like a bug to me, but we'll see. Yeah, that's a bug. That is a bug crawling on the camera. Boom. 
debunked. Moving on. You wasted your time having your house blessed by a priest because you he, he blessed a bug. That's what he did. Alrighty, up next in paranormal news, maybe I'll post that up on the Facebook so you guys can see what a bug looks like and don't bless your house when you see it on your cameras. My God, they're going to really freak out if they ever catch like a bird on their camera. Uh, let's see. Woman convinced photos shows Bigfoot or she's been expertly pranked. A woman with a remote camera set in the woods around the mountains. Around the mountains? What mountains? Claims that uh, she captured images of the elusive Bigfoot. Carolyn Day posted these images in a Facebook group that platform photos that platforms photos taken on trails in Washington State in the U.S. I just checked my camera that is deep in the woods behind Mount Si in the Snoqualmie Valley. Sure. Either there is a Sasquatch in the area or I'm being expertly pranked. All righty, let's take a look. It's a short-looking Bigfoot. Um, I want to see the other photos. Okay, there we go. That's a... That's a dude in a costume. That's a Bigfoot in a costume. Moving on. I got lots to get to. I'll post that on the line. I'll, I'll post that on like Facebook as well so you can see that one, but it's a, it's a guy in a costume. All righty, up next, Michigan news for you, all you Michiganders. Fortune tellers are now welcome in Petoskey, Michigan. No fingerprints or background checks are required. In early 2022, uh, let, me get, let me skip ahead. It's, uh, they said that it was un- unlawful. It was fake. You guys were scammers. Um, they pressured some like scammer from, to leave in the city in 2014, but now they're saying, all right, you can come back. Just stop it. Just be nice. Basically. All righty. I'm going to move on to the next story. Cause I get this, the last story in paranormal news, but I want to actually get into this episode. It's a long episode and I'm already tired of talking. Incredible moment. UFOs spotted hovering over Sandwell by YouTuber. That's right. YouTuber Drew Taylor was filming at the Dudley number two canal for his black country magnets channel. I have no idea what that is. Uh, 25 year old was filming on Thursday evening, July 21st, when he noticed a strange object object in the sky. He described it as big and round, noting it was gliding against the wind before going higher and then disappearing. He says he hundred percent believes in aliens, but even more so now, it's 100%. It's You already believed in aliens. Whatever. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another evening tonight. Uh, like your Black accent, Country. dude. No, keep playing. I like his accent. Yeah, so we back off resuming from the canal on where... I have no fucking clue what this guy is saying. And the video is really spotty. Apparently, the Birmingham we Mail... Left off in la- we left off in last uh, video. What are you saying to me, dude? some interesting stuff. Oh, this video is really buggy. Um... I, and, and I can't understand a word the guy's saying. Uh, he's holding up some black thing, saying stuff's all black and muggy. All right. But where is the... You, oh, there's the UFO. So the UFO pops up behind him. When you see the things that were called out, it was very cool. What are you saying to me, dude? All right. I'm skipping this one because it's taking too long to load. Oh, he's magnet fishing. I get it. All right. So he's throwing a magnet into the water, pulling out crap. Um... All right, so yeah, there was something behind him. I don't know if it was UFO. It's too it's too uh, buggy. The uh, the video on that side. I'll have to find another video from another website that doesn't have like '90s internet speeds. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back with more paranormal almanac because I want to get real. Like I really want to get into this this uh, story here. We are back. Look on this edition. I started with a very specific story. Then I went down that rabbit hole. 
which led to that rabbit hole, that rabbit hole, boom, 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 until I was so overwhelmed that I kind of just put this story away for a very long time. And then I kept thinking, I'm like, I should go back to it. I should figure out how to do it. And I'll be honest, I'm going to tell you right here, right now, I don't know if this is going to be a cohesive episode because it's just so much crazy shit. But anyhow, so the more I went down these rabbit holes, I found out that it wasn't just one spot. It was an entire place, a specific place. It was Long Island. Or even more specifically, if you want to get there, bases on or off of or just off the coast of Long Island. So I was like, all right, now I have the basis for this episode. It's going to be bases, basis and bases. It's going to be about a bunch of bases on Long Island. Well, how am I going to figure out what's true and what's not? Because this story has been regurgitated so much that it actually took me a while. It was like an onion. It was like, this is a paranormal onion of a story. I had to keep peeling off layer after layer and shitty, stinky layer after layer before I think I figured out what's true and what's not true. But you'll see what I'm saying. It's not as bad as I'm making it out to be. I'm just warning you now that this one really took a while for me to kind of figure out how the hell I was going to tell it. Now, in case you didn't know, and, you know, why would you? Montauk is the first place I'm going to be talking about. It's at the eastern tip of Long Island, New York, and right at the end of it is a place called Camp Hero. You're going to hear a lot of crazy stuff about Camp Hero, warning you now. Some might actually sound kind of familiar, but I don't want to spoil it or jump ahead, so let's get just get into it. Let's start with the basics. What I do know is true. And at the very beginning, I would say, Camp Hero was built in 1942, but it dates back to the Revolutionary War. It was a huge base with even bigger guns, ginormous freaking guns that they saved that when these guns were tested, they never actually, thankfully, ever had to shoot down any enemies with them. But when they actually, you know, did the artillery testing, they said it would shatter the, the nearby house's windows, which weren't all that nearby, mind you. They're just ginormous freaking guns that came out of the side of the mountain base or the, the hillside or whatever, the, the land, basically. That's, that's true. 100% true. I know that part is true. The base was built to look like a fishing town. So the buildings were built to look like, you know, churches and homes. So if the enemy did fly over, they would just think, ah, oh, it's a fishing town, not worry about, it. holy shit, that's a ginormous gun and we're dead. Then, in the 1960s, a ginormous radar tower was installed. It's called a Sage Radar Tower. Don't worry, I'll tell you why later. It doesn't matter. It's real. It's still visible. And this thing is freaking huge. Everything about this island or this base, I should say, is huge. The guns, yep, we, we love our big guns. Radar Tower, let's make it even bigger. This thing was huge. Now, the base was closed in 1984. The land was donated to the state park. Now, some of the land is still closed off to this day, and that's really what fuels a lot of these batshit crazy conspiracy theories about what happened in the past or might still be happening there. That's it for the facts. The rest of this is rabbit hole craziness. Camp Hero? Yep, it's real. 100% real. Montauk? It's real. Long Island? Long Island? Real. But rumors say that the Camp Hero buildings are all connected via underground tunnels. Some say the tunnels go all the way through the town next to it, 
to another base. But from everything I could find, there was a show, there was a, a couple of different kinds of shows about this base. A lot of people have done, like podcasts love to do episodes about this and say everything is real. Fuck that noise, it's not. But from what I could find, they did do ground penetrating radar. It's been done at Montauk Point, right where the base is, and they found there were no underground areas, just some anomalies that can easily be explained by the massive water and fuel tanks and other stuff, like the equipment and stuff, that they removed when that base was shuttered. So, as far as I'm concerned, because they did the, like, you could watch them do the ground penetrating radar, no tunnels. No tunnels were found. It's also rumored that that ginormous radar dish that's still there, like I said, that's real. You can go and see it. But a lot of people have said that the radar dish has changed direction a few times up until 2011, even though, remember, the facility was closed in 1982. That would be very telling that there's something still going on at the base if that was true. But I can't find one photo of the radar dish moving or even pointed in a different direction. So I'm going to call bullshit on that until I find evidence. Let's just say grain of salt. I don't try. I don't believe it. It's also rumored. Well, no, I, let me skip ahead. Let me skip ahead to 1992 because that's when the real crazy shit starts happening. That's when a book was written called The Montauk Project, Experiments in Time. It was written by Preston B. Nichols and Peter Moon. Let me pause here to say that no, zero, none, nothing, no evidence ever, not a shred of it, not 1% of it has ever been proven or true or anything has ever come forward that either of these men were ever connected to Camp Hero ever. And it's been really investigated by a lot of people. And I went down the same things that these people went down and I found the same stuff, which is nothing. There is no proof ever that they were ever connected to Camp Hero. Now, they said in that book, in the series of books, the Montauk Project books, that the base was a super secret base that dealt with kidnapping and psychic training of children known as the Montauk Boys. It also dealt with tel uh, telepathy experiments, Portals to other times and dimensions. Weather experiments. Oh, and don't worry, I'll unpack that, uh, you know, times and dimensions and portals and Montauk Boy shit in just a little bit. Uh, Preston said he recovered repressed memories about his time at the base where he was a subject in the psychic children experiments. Now, soon after the books was, book was released, other dudes came forward to go, Hey, I was too. I remember that. I was at the base too. And I was involved with the Montauk Project. Again, no proof that any of them were. Oh, and why do they suddenly have to have their memories pop up? We'll get to that too. Don't worry. Let me unpack it a little bit more. Now, let me read some of the stuff from the book and its sequel books. In the 70s and 80s, Preston said he was the leader of the psychotronics movement, where he claimed that government agents were using electromagnetic radiation to transmit ideas directly into people's heads. You know what? I, I can, I can kind of see that. And, and you know what? They're even doing it now. Using electromagnetic radiation to transmit ideas directly into people's heads. It's called a podcast. You're welcome. You're listening to one now. But you know what? So far... If that was it, if that's where he stopped, I'd go, 
Yeah, I, I can um, I can believe that. I can totally believe that. But he doesn't stop there. He said that his followers, some of whom supposedly still wear solid metal pots on their head to block microwaves, and I would hope to put on like fun refrigerator magnets, you know, on them. So at least make it look kind of cool. But yeah, all these followers wear metal pots on their heads, claim that Preston was able to control the weather. Again, bold claim, zero proof. Preston says he was even teleported to Montauk in 1968. And he says he worked on Camp Hero's semi-automatic ground environment radar tower. That's what that sage means. It means semi-automatic ground environment radar tower. Why? No idea. What's it do? Don't know. Look, I'm not saying that the government hasn't done shady shit at all. Hell, MKUltra is just one of the bizarre things that we know happened. What I'm saying, though, is that there is zero evidence that Preston was involved in anything he said. And I'm not even getting to the crazy shit yet. This is just the, the tip of the crazy iceberg. He says that Project Paperclip, which, in case you don't know, it's that whole fun thing where we went and pardoned a bunch of Nazi scientists so we can get a jump on the space race and other experiments. That's true. It did happen. Project Paperclip is very true. One of the Nazis even helped design part of Disneyland. That's true. Look it up. It's crazy. He also designed the Saturn V rocket and other cool shit, but he's still a Nazi. Fuck that guy. Well, some of those Nazis worked at Camp Hero. Well, here's the problem here. Again, no evidence. And that's weird because we know where the rest of these Nazi scientists ended up. But let's say for the sake of argument, you know, like, oh, it's really top secret. Some probably went to Area 51. Some probably went to Camp Hero. You don't know, Kirk. You're right, I don't. I'll give him that one. Here's some of the other stuff that he says. This is where it gets even crazier. Preston traveled through time at the base where they altered history with visits to Jesus Christ, as well as altering the outcome of the American Civil War and World War II, which, in case you guys didn't know, the good guys won both of those wars. And how did he alter history with Jesus Christ? That's the Son of God. If they went back in time, they actually found Jesus Christ and went, holy, they all, they went, oh, Jesus Christ, you're real. Um, okay, cool. Do you guys speak Aramaic or whatever the hell they spoke back then? Because if not, what the hell did you guys do to make Jesus Christ, the supposed son of God, go, well, that's new and different. You're definitely changing history. I don't get it. Uh, let's see. They also said... The facility was expanded to as many as 12 levels and 700, several hundred workers with money from recovered Nazi gold. Okay, if you would have just said the first part about 12 levels, hundreds of workers, sure, I can believe that. Lots of bases do that. But why from recovered Nazi gold? And again, without anyone in this very small town noticing tons of building materials or hundreds of workers... Were there workers there? Yes, there were. That base was real, but there weren't hundreds of workers there. There's no evidence of tunnels from the ground penetrating radar. There's no construction companies or government workers that have ever been found that confirm any of this. The book says that the tunnels could even extend under the full town of Montauk itself 
which that seems really easy to check. You just, you know, dig up the basements or, you know, when they're like making sewers or stuff, it seems like you could just dig up shit and be like, hey, look at that. I found a tunnel. That's weird. It's right under our town, but nothing has ever been found. And the town has grown up quite a bit and there's been construction quite a bit and no tunnels have been found. Uh, they said that homeless people were abducted and subjected to huge amounts of electromagnetic radiation. Few survived, but don't worry. One did. He'll be brought up shortly. Sure, I can't prove or disprove this one. It sounds like something that our government would do. Round up a bunch of homeless people and do a bunch of funky-ass tests on them? Yeah, I can get behind that one. Sure, why not? They said that uh, people had their psychic abilities enhanced to the point where they could materialize objects out of thin air. Now, this is brought up a lot by these guys that I'm going to get to. They said they remembered going through the hypnosis, being there. They said that uh, one kid got so good at it it was like the perfect kid. Let's call them, I don't know, if there's a bunch of kids and they don't want to give them names, let's just call them 11. And 11, just my own number that I just came up off the top of my head, was so good at moving stuff and seeing through space and time and uh, materializing stuff that anything the doctors asked him to do, he could materialize, but it would be like a ghost or a hologram of the object. It looked solid, but you couldn't touch it kind of a thing. Now, one guy named Stuart Swerdlow says that he was involved in the Montauk Project, and as a result, he has psionic powers. That is, psychic faculties were boosted so much, but at the cost of emotional stability, PTSD, just being a normal dude. Let me talk about him for a minute. That guy, uh, he's, he lives in Michigan, so yay, shout out to you. He told The Sun in 2017, he was uh, 52 in 2017, you could do the math, that he was one of the Montauk boys that they describe in the book and that he and others like him were subjected to absolutely horrific abuse. I hope this part isn't true. I really do. He said when the experiment started, they targeted expendable boys like orphans, runaways, or the children of drug addicts, the kind of kids that no one would really come looking for. The aim was to fracture your mind so they could program you. They would change the temperature from very hot to very cold, starve you, then overfeed you. This sounds like my every day lately. It's, it goes from very hot to very cold. I starve myself while I'm working during the day job, and then I overfeed myself at night. Uh, he says, I remember being beaten with a wooden pole. Yep, I do that too, just, you know, shits and giggles, um, spooks and tingles. Uh, they love to hold your head underwater until you nearly drowned. That was effective, he said. It makes a person likely to listen and obey their, quote, rescuer. They also used LSD to put our brains into an altered state. Um, he goes on to talk about sexual abuse of the children by these doctors, um, that some of the Montauk boys were actually sent to Mars and back to biblical times, uh, that the men in black were involved. In the early days, as we were perfecting the coordinates, a lot of boys were simply lost. I still have nightmares about it today. I wasn't there when the Montauk chair was shut off. The what? Don't worry, I'll get to it. But it felt like I had suddenly been unplugged from electricity. They also go on to say, let me get back to the other stuff the books say. Don't worry, we'll get back to these crazy people in a little bit. That a porthole in time was created, which allowed researchers to travel anywhere in time or space. This was developed into a stable time tunnel. Now, contact was made with aliens through the time tunnel... And the aliens actually gave them some technology. 
This allowed them to access hyperspace. Mind control experiments were conducted. Again, runaway boys and all that fun stuff. Many were supposedly killed during the process and buried on site. Again, nothing was ever found. And why? Why were they buried on site? You've got a time tunnel. You could chuck them through time. You know, maybe that's what they did that fucked up Jesus. They just started chucking a bunch of boys, dead boys on them. But why bury them on the site? Why not dump them in the ocean, which was right there? If you don't want to use your time tunnel, why not, you know, say, well, thank you, extraterrestrials, for your technology. As custom on our planet, here's a dead boy. I mean, there's a lot of ways to get rid of some dead children if you really wanted to, if you had access to this shit that they said they had access to. All right, let me continue on. On or about August 12th, 1983. That's when the time travel project at Camp Hero, I'm talking hyperspace, I'm talking time tunnel, everything connected with the original Rainbow Project back in 1943. That's right. Now we're connecting it to the Manhattan Project itself. The USS Eldritch was drawn into hyperspace and trapped there. Two men, Al Bielik and Duncan Cameron, Again, neither of any proof that they were connected to the base of the project or anything ever in life. They said they they leaped. That can't be right. They leapt. They jumped. There we go. From the deck of the Eldritch while it was in hyperspace and ended up after a period of severe disorientation, which you don't want, at Camp Hero in 1983. That's right. They jumped ahead 40 years. Here, they claim to have met John Von Neumann a famous physicist and mathematician, even though he died in 1957. All right. I'm calling bullshit. Now, I will say that many people think that Von Neumann did work on the original Philadelphia experiment. So I get why they, they said, oh, yeah, yeah. And then we, uh, we met John Von Neumann. You know, he worked on the Philadelphia experiment. Whatever. All right. So the Eldritch shows up. Two guys jump off. Everything's good, right? Nope. Because that's when a hairy alien monster thing shows up and just starts fucking up everything and everybody on the base. So they send the older Duncan, I'll get to that a little bit, back to the Eldridge to destroy the Philadelphia experiment back there, basically closing the time tunnel in the hyperspace and taking the monster with it. Here's the weird thing. There is a ton of evidence that a hairy alien monster thing did show up and they managed to send it back in time. So we, you know, that part's real. No, I'm kidding. None of that is real. There is not a shred of evidence that something that looked like the big orange hairy monster from uh, Bugs Bunny ever showed up, started killing everybody. So a guy jumped back in time and then shut down the portal from the past. You know what it's like? It's like these guys were really drunk and they just started riffing off each other. They're like, then the hairy monster showed up. Remember? Yeah, he was an alien hairy monster. Yeah, then he started killing everybody, so we went back in time. Yeah, then we destroyed the time machine and the hairy alien monster thing. Is that what you called it, right? Yeah, yeah, it got sucked through time. Come on, guys. All right, according to Preston, he said, we finally decided we had enough of the whole experiment. Gee, wonder why. The con- there's, there's child sex abuse and and drugs, and alien hairy monster dudes, and two guys jumping off a ship, and uh, come on. So, the contingency program was activated by someone approaching Duncan while he was in the chair, and simply whispering, the time is now. At that very moment, he said he thought of a monster. 
the transmitter actually portrayed a hairy monster. It was big, hairy, hungry, and nasty, but it didn't appear underground in the null point. It showed up somewhere on the base. It would eat anything it could find, and it smashed everything in sight. Now, several people saw it, but almost everyone described a different beast. So if you have different, uh, you know, descriptions of it, that's why. It's everybody looks at it differently. This is actually what this guy has said many times in interviews. Oh, it's exhausting. Then, metahumans and experiments in special serums to create such individuals were tested at the base. That's right. Captain America type shit was done at the base too. Then... After the experiments were completed, or, you know, the destruction of the whole facility, depending on which book you read, because, yep, they change shit in the books and interviews. They never keep their story straight. Anyhow, the facility was closed for good. All the staff were either brainwashed, shot, or sworn to absolute secrecy. I really hope they gave the staff, like, that option. Uh, which would you like? You can have sworn to secrecy brainwashed or shot. Now I recommend the brainwashing, but the shooting is very popular. Like pick one. Okay. All the records are destroyed, but according to some stories, researchers can researchers. No research. Oh my God. My tongue will not. It's a uh, hairy monster's got my t research continues at the site to this day, but with enhanced security. Although, again, you can walk around there all you want. It's it's parkland now. People go hiking over there all the time. Yeah, there's some spots where you can't go in due to environmental hazards, but there is no proof that any staff ever go there, and there is no proof of enhanced security. Still not done with the crazy, though. Filmmakers were brought to the facility to begin working on a project that would culminate with the moon landing hoax. Yep, that's right. According to Preston... When the base was still operational, I'm assuming in 69, they filmed the moon landing there. Sure, why not? I don't even care anymore. Uh, the military personnel in charge weren't just military personnel. Oh, no, according to Preston, they were, in fact, cultists who built a 50-foot ziggurat, or step pyramid, out of titanium. All right, where'd that thing go? The rest, the rest of the base is now hiking trails and you can see the tower and stuff. Sure, parts are closed off, but no one has ever mentioned seeing a step pyramid. And just think about the workout you could do climbing that thing. Get your steps in. Thank you, cultists. Nothing. No proof ever of any 50-foot titanium step pyramid. Let's keep going with the crap that he's talked about. Early work on inventing the internet and its implementations were undertaken there. You know what? I'm fine with that one. Experimental flying saucer aircraft prototypes were created there and shipped to other secret bases for testing. Sure, why not? The, you know, the base isn't big enough for that, and there's a town that was right there. Instead of doing it in the desert where no one could actually see it, let's do it in a populated part of Long Island. Sure, why not? Bioengineering projects undertaken there eventually created the Jersey Devil. Now that one's just fun. Let's just forget that the Jersey Devil was first spotted in 1735, but you know, hey, time travel, hairy monster aliens, why not? It's like they were picking and choosing their favorite paranormal stuff and being like, and then that happened there. Moon landing? You like the moon land, the, the hoax? That happened there. Uh, black helicopters were manufactured and flown there. Why? Just why? They can be built anywhere. 
Nikola Tesla. Well, his death was faked, and he was the chief director of operations at the base. You know, he did like cool, crazy electromagnetic stuff. I can get behind that. But how does he connect with, like, the child abuse and all the other weird shit? I don't get behind that. Uh, mass psychological experiments, such as the enormous subliminal message project and the creation of men in black to confuse and frighten the public, those were invented there. Uh-huh. And finally, finally, the AIDS virus was created there. Why? Who knows? He doesn't say. Didn't really seem to care. It was almost like an afterthought. That he wanted to just be like, uh, what else? Uh, what else we got? Um, did I say men in black? Yeah, I said the men in black. Uh, black helicopter. Oh, I said black helicopters too. Um, AIDS. AIDS was there. We had they, we created AIDS there. Like, come on, man. All right, I'm sure you're saying, Kurt, all of this sounds reasonable. Show your work. Why do you debunk these people with no proof? Well, thankfully, people have already done the debunking shown their work. I don't have to. That's not part of the podcast. Uh, let's start with Al Bielik. I mentioned him briefly. So Al Bielik saw a movie called The Philadelphia Experiment in 1988. Because of that movie, he said, oh my God, it's almost like deja vu. I think I was part of The Philadelphia Experiment. Then he read that Montauk Project book and he went, hey, I think I was part of the Montauk Project book, too. He says, you know what? My name's not even Al Bielik. It's really Edward Cameron. And that he and his brother Duncan Cameron were crew members on the Eldridge in 1943 when they were in their 20s. He says he befriended Nichols in the 1970s, and together they developed the Montauk chair. The what? Well, the Montauk chair was a mind-reading device that was a central component to the entire project and helped provide a window into the specifics of its supposed research. It used electromagnetic, electromagnet, oh, you mother, electromagnetism to further the psychic powers of whoever sat in the chair. Duncan Cameron happened to have substantial psychic abilities, including the ability to manifest objects with his mind using that device. But... The first experiment was called the seeing eye with a lock of a person's hair or other appropriate objects only people. If he put them in his hands, Duncan could concentrate on the person and be able to see as if he was seeing through their eyes, hearing through their ears, feeling through their bodies. All right. He could actually see through other people anywhere on the planet. He said, uh, I'm going to get to, let me, let me keep going with, I'll, I'll get to this, this, website that it's just called like albelic debunked kind of a thing. Um, I'll get to that in a minute. But a few years later, Al was, uh, he was like, you know what? I got a lot to say. I'm going to go to the mutual UFO network conference. And he did. He spoke. He described in a very, 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 very vague terms how he'd been de-aged, had his memory wiped, been forced to live out the rest of his life as albelic. Why? Like I said, too vague. He explained how in the early 1960s, he, as Edward, had convinced his father to have another child so they could port Duncan's consciousness from 1983 into the baby in 1963. Oh, good Lord. Uh, he referred to this vision of Duncan as a walk-in soul. He also suggested that a 1983 accident 
no accident, doesn't say what it was, caused him to start aging rapidly. That's why he looks so badly. Or you just don't take care of yourself. Let's see. He met with Preston Nichols, who befriended him. Yeah, it's all kinds of crazy weird. The Duncan Cameron, you know, that walk-in soul kid. Uh, He was found to have psychic powers, became the focus of many of the Montauk chair experiments. Here's the crazy part. There is a little bit shred kernel of truth evidence to some of this. Every batshit story conspiracy theory has this kernel of truth. And here's this one. It really is the only kernel of truth that I could find that connects any of this stuff together. In the 60s, kids of people that worked at the base, they were, you know, there were really people that worked at the base and there were kids and the kids went to school in in Long Island. They would tell stories. They'd be like, hey, my dad was telling stories about experiments at the base, including aliens and time travel and mind control. So there's your kernel of truth. Were the kids just trying to like seem cool because they were new kids in the school? Maybe. Maybe it was real. Maybe the base did do some of this stuff. I don't know. But that's your kernel of truth. Oh, and remember that portal? The time tunnel? Well, they said it opened every 20 years. 1943, that's the USS Eldridge. 1963, that's that whole walk-in soul, hey, dad, can you have another kid so I can have this kid's powers, mind powers from 83. 43, 1963, 1983, alien, hairy monster thing. 2003, no idea what happened there, but if it's true, and if the portal wasn't really closed and the time tunnel wasn't really closed, it's supposed to happen next year. That's right. Everybody's been waiting for this. This is almost like the 2012 of the Montauk Project Believers, and there are a fuck ton of them. That, that say everything in this book is real, even though there's no proof, it doesn't matter. Don't, you know, don't come at us with facts. Just just listen to the, read the book, man. It's all right there. So they're saying 2023, some weird shit could really go down in Long Island. And you know what? It's about time we had some weird shit or, you know, pandemics or monsters or aliens or anything. So we got that to look forward to. All right, like I said, Does any of this sound kind of familiar? Remember I mentioned 11 earlier? Well, that's because the Duffer brothers used this nonsense to come up with their first draft for Stranger Things. In fact, the original title for Stranger Things was actually Montauk. That's real. And it was going to take place in Montauk. Lighthouse, everything. That is real. Until they did the rewrites and changes and gave us 11 and a way better story. But, uh, so yeah... It, it did bring us, this batshit craziness at least brought us something cool. It brought us Stranger Things. I, I will say, though, that is the majority of the Montauk Project. I know we're almost at an hour. I got plenty more to go. Don't worry. Um, it would take me days to tell you all of the crazy rabbit holes I had to go down, the numerous changes to the stories that they did over the years. Like I said, not just in interviews, video interviews, written interviews, But in the books themselves, they started just adding shit to add shit. But this episode isn't over. Oh, no. Because in 2008, the decayed, bloated thing, animal, washes up on shore on Long Island. And it was called the Montauk Monster. 
Now, it was supposed, uh, supposedly, it was a cryptid created at Plum Island. What's Plum Island, you say? All right, I'm going to be very quick about this base. Way quicker than I just was. It's just off Long Island, just past, uh, yep, Camp Hero. I, I wrote Camp Herp. Camp Herp, I like way better than Camp Hero. But yeah, just past Camp Hero. Officially, the island is the site of the Plum Island Animal Disease Center, which was established by the United States Department of Agriculture in 1954. The island is also on site of the former U.S. military installation Fort Terry from 1897 and the historic Plum Island Lighthouse, 1869. It is an automated replacement. Conspiracy theorists have spread that the false alleged Lyme disease, first documented in nearby Lyme, Connecticut, was a bioweapon that was originated at Plum Island that was discredited. Uh, that uh, Lab 257, the disturbing story of the government's secret Plum Island germ laboratory, fueled those conspiracies. Got it? Animal Control Disease Center. Spooky is what it is. It's an animal disease center. Things go really batshit crazy, and I don't know. We get an animal that um, transmits a disease to humans, and it causes a pandemic. Well, these are the people that are supposed to be doing it. So, you know, come on, step it up. You got two... In this past couple of years, you got uh, COVID and now you got monkeypox. Let's let's do something here, Plum Island. But, whew. All right, so this thing washes up on shore. It's called the Montauk Monster. Here's the problem. Experts say it's just the bloated carcass of a raccoon with its upper jaw missing and it's not a cryptid at all. Whew. Okay. So now surely we have to be done with cryptids and bases on or just off of Long Island. The episode's over. What do you guys think? Is it all real? Nope, not yet. Don't answer that yet. Because we're going to have to move on to the Brookhaven National Laboratory, which is about 60 miles from the Montauk base. It's real. It's run by the U.S. Department of Energy. According to many stories, it's steeped in both mysteries both of them are off limits to the public. That's Camp Hero and Brookhaven National Laboratory. Guess what? All bases are off limits to the public. Uh, well protected against trespassers. Yeah, seems like an army thing to do. Seems like a government thing to do. They both feature mind-blowing facilities and equipment that are literally rewriting everything the scientific community understands about cosmic matter, the creation of this universe, nanoparticles, time, space, and so much more. We can only begin to comprehend it all. That's what a lot of people say about Brookhaven National Laboratory and Camp Hero. Now, remember, there are a lot of conspiracy theorists that say there are tunnels that run from Camp Hero all 60 miles underneath towns to the Brookhaven National Laboratory. Get this. In the late 60s, equipment from Brookhaven was moved to Camp Hero. And it said there is an underground bunker at Camp Hero where this equipment was moved. Why? Who knows? But apparently, that's true. From everything I could find, that one part is true. There was an underground bunker, and that's it. But the bases were working on something together for a very long time, and some say are still working on together. According to the conspiracy theorists and rabbit holes, Camp Hero may have closed above ground, but everything underground remains the property of the Air Force and may still be operational out of Brookhaven and that people are going to Brookhaven to go to work and then booking underground in, I don't know, tunnels or cars or trains or hyperloops, I don't fucking know, to 
Camp Hero and are actually working there underground. All right, let's get back to just a touch of sanity. Not really. That's a bad... No, I take, I take what I just said back. That's not true at all. Let's go back to November 24th, 1992. Forget the sanity part. That's when a UFO supposedly crashed in South Haven Park of Shirley, New York. John Ford, who is a Long Island MUFON researcher, investigated that crash. In 1989, he said there was a supposed UFO crash in the Mauritius Bay. Sure, why not? Oh, that's uh, the same bay that TWA Flight 800 plummeted into how many ever years later? Uh, September 28, several people reported seeing glowing orange lights in the sky. Even Brookhaven's own people saw them. But the people that worked at Brookhaven went, oh, those are flares. It's a training exercise. But not John Ford. He went, oh, no, no, no. Military helicopters shot down a UFO over the bay, killing 17 aliens that were later taken back to Brookhaven. Why? Where did you get, where did you get any of that from? Where did you get the 17 aliens from? Show your work, John Ford, but he won't because he's crazy. Um, let's see. He says this is possibly one of the greatest events in history of man. He said that the papers and evening new newscasts, he went to like, anybody that would listen, basically. He was like, this is it. The sky is falling. Oh, my God. Aliens. 17 of them. Yeah. And said, and people were just like, oh, okay. Well, he's a UFO expert. Maybe he knows something that we don't know. Then, moving forward to 1995, John Ford began to investigate another UFO crash, which he believed started the August forest fires in eastern Long Island. The ones that may have attracted Preston Nichols' younger self sent to recover the UFO. What? I don't know. They supposedly are connected. John wrote that the government's particle beam weaponry, probably from Camp Hero, may have shot down a UFO, and this plot involves newspaper sources, county, state, and federal officials. That's right. He's really starting to unravel here. Then, 1996. This seems bad. John Ford was arrested and charged with plotting to poison several local politicians by sneaking radium into their toothpaste. On advice of counsel, John Ford pled insanity and was committed to the Mid-Houston Mid, yeah, Mid Psychiatric Center. But conspiracy theorists say that's all bullshit. It's all a frame up. He wasn't going to do any of that stuff. He was about to tell us. He was about to be the disclosure that we've all been waiting for. Here's a little bit of an article about that. John J. Ford, a UFO enthusiast, accused of masterminding a plot to assassinate three political officials in Suffolk County, was found unfit to stand trial today. A, George, a judge ordered him that he be sent to an upstate psychiatric institute for at least a year. Mr. Ford, 48, was arrested a year ago on charges that he was scheming to kill John Powell, the, chair, the chairman of the Suffolk County Republican Committee, Fred Towell, wasn't really a towel. Anthony Gazzola, uh, doesn't matter, uh, by putting radium in their cars and lacing their toothpaste with the radioactive metal. Investigators said Mr. Ford wanted the three officials killed because he believed they were interfering with his efforts to contact aliens from outer space. His friends said that he believed that visitors from outer space had crash-landed on Long Island and that the government officials were keeping the aliens at Brookhaven National Laboratory. He said that they had created diversionary fires in Long Island's Pine Barrens to conceal the alien crash landings. 
After reviewing reports from several psychiatrists, the judge was like, yeah, he's batshit crazy and moving on. I kind of fudged that last one. All right, so the judge said he should be re-examined in 90 days. Keep re-examining him. They kept doing it. He kept being crazy. Uh, let's see. He he talked. He spoke with a woman called Mona Rowe, who worked at Brookhaven National Laboratory quite a bit, to the point where she started to get worried about him. She said, "You know what? I believe in alien life, but there's none here." It got to the point where she even invited John Ford to tour Brookhaven National Laboratory to open any door he wanted, and allow his own experts to search for aliens or UFOs. She said, like, we got nothing to hide. It's not that exciting here. And she said, Ford never took her up on it. It's bizarre. Let's see. Uh, midnight, June 13th, 1996, Mona, Mona Rose phone rang. She said that uh, it was a sort of uh, radiation SWAT team that said, hey, we need your help right away. She accompanied the team to a Bellport home surrounded by police where they found hot radioactive sources encased in lead in the back of a pickup. And they went, yeah, you guess who lives here? And she's like, oh no. And they're like, yep, that John Ford UFO crazy guy. Now, they did say, here's kind of the problem. The radium was such small amounts, it would have taken decades to kill anybody. So, womp womp, I guess. Uh, let's see, is there any more? There's a whole lot more. And this sucks is because this guy was like a good guy. He, he uh, donated to like dog pounds when Hurricane Gloria hit. Um, they said he was, you know, he dated regularly. He was engaged twice. Um, he was a good guy, but he is also an avid gun collector and, you know, then went to try and kill some people. They said he had 35 licensed handguns and rifles, bulletproof vests, knives, ammunition, sorted military crap. Why, why didn't he just, look, don't do it. Don't, don't go crazy and just shoot somebody. But why, why do the radium and the toothpaste? Why would, why did you think that was the best plan? Then they have transcripts from him getting busted. I got that very dangerous stuff in the back of my truck, says Ford. How bad is it, says this other guy. It's in a three-inch lead container, and it's leaking five rotogens per hour. Uh, this isotope, he'll start glowing within 24 hours. They started laughing, put it in a bag, take the little bag, put it underneath his car seat. I'll kill that fucking President Clinton also. Up the fucking ass. I'll do it. Um... Does he eat Italian food? Well, then take that yellow shitty powder, fucking powder, and mix it in with chopped garlic, the radium in with the chopped garlic. That'll kill him. Yeah, it's he's crazy, people. He, he's, he's crazy. So, yeah, a lot of people think he's not crazy, and he was framed for all of it, even though you can hear him saying this shit. They have, you know, they, they caught him. They have him on tape. They played it at the court. Um... But they say, nope, that wasn't really him. He wasn't really saying that. Or you guys made him say that. He was about to disclose aliens and then this shit happened. It's all, you know, too convenient. Sure, he just happened to have a shit ton of guns and radium and talked about killing some people. But eh, he's a nice guy and he was going to tell us about aliens. There are a lot of people that are very avid Ford fanatics and very avid Project Montauk people. All right, now's your time. What do you guys think? Can any of this be true? I mean, the base is real. Both base, all three bases are true. You know, Plum Island, that's real. Brookhaven, that's real. Camp Hero, that's real. But I'm saying any of the crazier shit, is that true? Have you read the books? 
maybe I am glossing them over because it's just too much bat shit on, on per page. You know, I like a little bat shit per page, but when it's all bat shit per page, my, my eyes gloss over and I'm like, I just, I can't, I just, come on. I can't. You're making, it's very clear. You're making shit up and just stop it. Okay. Stop. What do you guys think? Is any of this shit real? Have you ever heard of the project Montauk? Does it make you enjoy Stranger Things less or more? For me, it makes me kind of laugh because cool. They got a really cool story out of it. I love Stranger Things. Can't wait to see how it ends. It better not end with some hairy alien monster just fucking shit up until they open up a portal back to an old boat and suck them in there. I'm going to be really mad, Duffer Brothers. Really mad. So there you go. This is... I don't know if it's not even a debunk episode, I don't think. I mean, I did debunk some stuff. Other stuff I can't prove or disprove, but it just sounds too stupid to be real. Um, if you, if you, I didn't even go into, like, I should, but I, it's, you guys get it, right? I didn't even go into the Al Bielik website that just debunks everything he says. That um, he was nowhere near any of these places. They had, they went back through his life. They found his family. They went to his family tree they found where he grew up, that he was nowhere near any of it. He was in Scottsdale, Arizona. Like, there's none of this stuff is true at all. It's really funny how deep into this shit they go. They're talking, I'm talking like these people found like his social security and tracked him through paychecks and stuff. Where he was supposedly, you know, at that t- at those times. Like, they went through his entire life to say... No, look, here's everything, everything in this. Here's where you were in 56, 72 and 73. Here's where you were. You weren't a boy being molested or whatever in the, the Montauk chair or whatever, the time chair, whatever the fuck it was called. They're like, no, here's where you were. You got, here's your paychecks. Here's taxes. Here's where you worked in 79 and 80. Here's where you were 75 through 98. Like none of it is true. And yet he's still going, well, that's, that's all uh, fake. Yeah. It's all the time manipulated bullshit. So yeah, I'm sorry. I don't buy a lot of it. I can't prove or disprove some of it. Sure. But just why again, if they would have stopped, if they would have just done the very beginnings of it, Hey, there was this base secret time travel, uh, psychic kids experiments. They, they abducted, you know, hobos and, and, and kids and they did this shit. I would have been like, holy fuck. Yeah, I could see our government doing that. But they then they went too far. It's always the case. They always, people always go too far. They don't do just the basics. They keep going until you just go, all right, well, now you're just full of shit. And that's where I think, that's where I think they are. I think they're full of shit. Um, but again, do you guys know anything about this? Do you live in Long Island? Have you ever been to Montauk? Have you ever been to Camp Hero and, and walked around there? Did you get weird feelings? You think, do you ever see the giant radar dish move? If you have, let me know. Unless you're one of the people that I named in this episode, in which case I'm good. You don't need to let me know. Um, I watched a documentary about this and this guy wanted it to be true so bad. He ignored the stuff that, that was easily disprovable for his own, you know, documentary. And that's not the way you're supposed to do a documentary. Well, once again, I'm your host, Kurt Samig, and this has been another edition of Paranormal Almanac.
Ich mir erst in der Woche. Ich